Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. My name is Steve King, and alongside me is Matt Loyan. Matt, welcome to a Monday morning, a beautiful new week. Yeah. On the B-Side Podcast. It is. It's a great Monday morning where our bellies are filled with Christie's Whistle Stop ice cream. Yeah, that was really good. Wasn't that? That was good. And uh, in case anyone wasn't able to, to be with us yesterday, we did our uh, picnic in the park, third of the summer, but it was also uh, especially an appreciation of all of our volunteers. Um, what We had uh, Christie's Whistle Stop's food truck, their yep. mobile food yep. truck. Their, um, so Whistle on Wheels. I whistle think. on Wheels. Is that what it's called? Wow. Wow. Whistle the on acronym. Wheels. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, joined us for Picnic in the Park. Yep. Giving out ice cream to uh, to all the, the folks that yep. came. And we, there were some folks that came. Some folks showed up. Showed out. Showed out. Showed out for ice cream. Showed out. Okay. Um, so best practices, ice cream really is the best volunteer appreciation. Yeah. I think that was the, the best Picnic in the Park turnout we've ever had. What's the percentage of people at our church that have gone to Christie's already, you think? Because we've gone. You've been there. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Yep. It's not far from It's not far. Where it's we pretty are. well known in this region for being a good ice cream place. Yeah, and it is. Large it portions. Is yeah. Yep. Venue, scenic venue of the rail yard in Enola. Mm, <laughs> mm, I just picture it now. Just, yeah. Take in those sights S- and sit sounds. back, relax, <laughs> close your eyes, and don't let your feet. You're on the side of the road. Don't let your heads get hit, hit by the cars. I just love it. Be- well, I do like it because it's like this, you know, side of the road. Yeah. Looks like kind of a pit stop area, and it's got this great, it's great, greasy food and great ice cream, hard ice cream. Here's the question. Have you eaten the food? At I haven't. I have not either. No. So I've seen it. We shouldn't, it speak, we shouldn't speak about it. <laughs> we shouldn't. Um, the ice cream's great. I, so, uh, fun fact. Um, the guy who, who ran it yesterday, I'll get to him in a second. Um, he bought, he just recently bought the, the truck. Oh, that's So it's, it's now separate from Christie's. That's confusing. It, well, I mean, it's, is it? I don't know. It's there. It's, it was Christie's, but now he, it's his entrepreneurial yeah. journey. Okay, great. He has retired from whatever he was doing. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember what he did. I just won't mention it. Um, it's not scandalous or anything. I just, <laughs> we'll get into it. Um, long story. And um, he retired, but yeah. now has this side gig entrepreneurial yeah. hard ice cream truck. That's awesome. It's great. It's I a love great it. story. His yeah. name? Jim Baker. No, it's not. Yes. Jim Elise, Baker. At least told me. That's fantastic. At least told me Jim Baker yeah. yesterday morning. I was like, who's the guy who's running the truck? Because I had I yeah. paid him for the ice cream. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, who am I looking for later? Should Jim Baker. I said, don't no. put that in the announcements right now. That's, I said, if you do. Listen, if you're not, if you weren't familiar with Christian subculture 30 years ago. <laughs> that's right. Google Jim, Jim Baker ba- evangelical, so, like something like that. Yeah. You know, I uh, think his name has two Ks. It does have two Ks. Two oh, Ks, good right? call. Yeah. But still Jim Baker. Not, and not that Jim Baker. No. So okay. I, said, I said, at least I said, don't put that in the announcement today. Uh-huh. Because at least, what, 20, 30% of our church would look at you sideways and go, Jim Baker is oh, yeah. the running the ice cream truck. Yeah. Yep. So he, he was, his name was attached to some scandals in the, yes. in the evangelical world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. There you go. So anyway, that was great. Yeah. It was a good day. It was a good day yesterday. And yeah, really, I thought, you know, just a really, um, it was enc- it's encouraging to have some college students back yeah. uh, with us. We've seen some folks that also have been traveling some this summer start to regather with us. So just a lot of, a lot of good stuff happening yesterday. And we're nearing the very end of our Rhythms of Grace series. So we talked about mission yesterday. Yep. Uh, we got one more week in Rhythms of Grace before we kick off our fall series. So um, 
So this podcast actually becomes maybe that much more helpful to people once we're in Bible study rhythms officially. I think it does. It tends to be. I mean, there's some jokes to make, I'm sure, but like always. It, it, it always. But like it does. That's kind of the, where, where this podcast was born out of it was is. the was like the interest in setting up Bible study groups well for discussion, That's applying right. the sermon to yep. those small group settings. So my group and maybe some others already have already started re-meeting after a little bit of a summer break. We sure. were out for about a month. We we were back in Friday. So in the event that you are meeting now. We're still going to try to, to help you out today, set up a little bit of discussion about mission. And even maybe, even if you're not meeting, as I was mentioning yesterday a little bit in the sermon, to try to make conversations about our pursuits of mission normal and encouraging and life-giving and, yeah. and bring those kinds of conversations into our Christian community. Like, it should be normal for us to ask one another, hey, um, who how's it going um, trying to engage with the people that you live with, you know, that you live in your neighborhood or that, that you go to school with or um, where, where are you finding some like opportunities God's given you to talk about Jesus with people right now? Yeah. Like that, that should be yeah. like a, that should be like a low hanging fruit, normal, easy question, um, in relationship with other Christians. I don't know that it always is something we think of, to ask each other about, yeah. uh, on a regular basis. So maybe doing a recap here in a moment of the sermon yep. and setting up Bible study groups, <clears throat> not only for t- today or this week, yep. but just to maybe bring this into the overall, um, dynamics discussions of your group it's good it's well done yeah you preached yesterday uh came back after three you said three weeks it's been I was, three weeks well i was only on vacation for two no but you missed preaching for three i weeks. was out of the pulpit for three out of the pulpit for three weeks you yep. came back with a bang did i four point oh, alliteration yes. <laughs> oh <laughs> yes. man you did not disappoint love it i mean yeah love it do you dream in alliteration? i dream in alliterations okay. yeah it's a nightmare yeah it's t- <laughs> It's terrifying to be inside my brain, in case anyone's curious. <laughs> I, it's, hey, it's great for sermon notes. It works. It works. You I know, it at least gives people a hook to it. I, I, and I don't do it um, all the time. I think I think it's um, – Steve's laughing. I think actually if we went back, I don't – you think it's like 90% plus. Absolutely. I, I think it's like – Absolutely. I think it's like 66%. I think it's like two-thirds. You think it's two-thirds? Yeah. I think it's like two-thirds. Man. All right. I think it's two There are some three. high fact finders out there in the congregation. We need to rally together now, please to do, to do put like... Your, put your time into mission. <laughs> no, please don't put your time That's into pretty that. good. That's pretty good. Okay. Fair enough. Hey, give us the recap of yep. uh, of the sermon yesterday. Okay. So here, here's your four-point alliteration. Go for okay, it. We're talking about mission, the pursuit of mission, uh, missions means, missions motive, missions math, missions mandate. Looking at um, a relatively short passage, Jesus talking to his disciples in the, at the end of Matthew chapter 9, maybe the, the most famous line in there is that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Yep. That's, it's that passage from Matthew 9. So talking about missions means, um, and really maybe a succinct definition of mission would be to both proclaim and to enact the kingdom of God. Um, God is a missional God. He's been on a mission ever since uh, humanity's fall in yep. the garden to, re- to redeem, to reconcile the world to himself. Yep. Uh, that happens through both proclamation and enacting. And so Jesus, especially in his in his earthly life, his ministry, we see him proclaiming the good news of the gospel and enacting the kingdom of God of, of God in the sense of he was specifically in this passage healing people from diseases and afflictions, which is a foretaste, a glimpse of what the fullness of the kingdom looks like mm-hmm. when when the, the not only sin itself, but the effects of sin are also eradicated. Mm-hmm. So that's a succinct definition of mission. That's the means of mission. Most importantly to say, Jesus is the means of mission. He's the one who ultimately accomplishes the mission of God. Yep. Um, mission's motive is compassion. Uh, so Jesus looks out on the, on the crowd in that passage uh, in Matthew 9, and his heart is 
full of <clears throat> compassion for them. Uh, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed and helpless. So yeah. um, a, a, a primary foundational motive for our pursuit of mission is the same compassion. Mm-hmm. We see that we see that people apart from Christ, apart from having people proclaim and enact the kingdom among them, um, they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They need that. So that's the that's the motive that drives it. The math is that gets into that. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Where's the shortage? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus says the shortage is in the workers, right? There's a great harvest, not enough workers. We often in our post-Christian context think it's the other way around. We think, man, there's no harvest. You know, <laughs> yep. uh, There's lots of people that would do it. There's no harvest. I think the reality is that this, the harvest is still plentiful, um, even if different than the specifics of these, these first century yeah. followers of Jesus. Yep. But that's the math part. Um, and then the mandate is what Jesus actually then says to his disciples, which is specifically to pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers to send out into his harvest. So the mandate really is, from this passage, is specifically prayer, but fleshing that out a little bit, combining it with the Great Commission, it is to pray and to be sent. Yeah. And, and maybe the, the kind of key line there is to say that often, you know, Jesus says pray that, that God would raise up laborers. Most often the, the laborers God raises up are those people that are praying like yep. it's it, they go hand in hand right um and it's not just that doesn't just mean pastors missionaries vocational ministry people it means followers of christ yeah it's good so I, thought, I thought i thought it was a really good message i liked i like the alliteration i, I know it, it didn't I, feel like i was stretching too much it no, felt like it fit it felt no, like it was yeah, a, you rarely you know. do i just like <laughs> i just think it's there to be like i'm like surely we can't we have to comment on this right everybody um, so it got, it got, well, was it, I forget. It gets called out periodically from, you know, like people just mentioning that that's a thing. I, I mean, I really enjoy it. I just yeah. think it's there. Yeah, to, yeah, totally. to la- I just think it's there to laugh totally. at it. It's great. Well, so. the best line, oh, that's what it was. The best line was when Greg, our church planning resident preached a couple weeks ago yeah. and you were saying, Abby was like, did, did, does Matt make Greg preach in a literature? That's right. <laughs> that was a real question. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. yes, the answer is and yes. The answer is like, yes. I do. Yeah. yeah. No, wow. I really don't actually, okay. but, um, let, all right, let me. Ask this question. Where do you think, um, sometimes we think about our, our church demographic, right? The, the, the average Liberty church attendee of which, you know, we think about this for, uh, the sake of, uh, you know, reflection. Sure. Right. We don't actually consider, we don't, we know there's, we have a range. Sure. So please everyone keep your individuality. We respect it. Love it. We need the diversity across our congregation, but where in our church do you think we're most prone to miss one of these four? Mm. What's the one you think that our our demographic, our church, maybe just the maybe the one, the first or second one that we just we don't think about enough? Yeah, out of the out of those, um, man, that's a great question, Steve. I think um, I, I my mind goes first to prayer. I I wonder how. The mandate yeah. part, missions mandate. I wonder how much we are, and I know this from, I mean, I'm saying this from my own life and reflection, how much we are weeping and pounding the table in prayer hmm. for people that we come in contact with that don't know Jesus. I think they're overlapping and interrelated in the sense that I think we probably do have a sense that the harvest is not very plentiful, mm-hmm. that we're kind of in a, you know, a reached, and we are, I mean, by, by, by statistical analysis that like the Joshua Project does, we are a very reached part of of a very reached nation, you know, central Pennsylvania is a reached subset of a very reached nation in the United States. Um, so I think we, we probably do have that in, in our minds a little bit to say, and and this, this even goes back to some of our, our theological 
tradition of being Mm -hmm. Protestants. Mm -hmm. A lot of people from the Protestant Reformation started to think at the time of the Protestant Reformation, it's 500 years ago now, started to go, and the Great Commission is basically fulfilled. Like we basically reached all the nations of the earth. Now we know from like even this people group research that's been done in the last hundred plus years that that's not true. There are 3.3 billion people in unreached people groups that have very little to no gospel. What was the, what's the definition? I didn't look this up. I wanted to. Forgot to. Joshua Project. What's the definition Man. of unreached people group? Um, I think it is less. It's, I think it's less than two percent. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, I think you're right. Yeah. So New England. I remember New England when I lived up in New England yeah. outside of Boston. New England was considered there are parts of unreached. our country that are unreached. That's in right. In terms yeah. of less than and sometimes I I can't remember. This is where I'm. I can't remember if Joshua Project takes the broad perspective of like all three, um, like Protestant, mm. Catholic, and Orthodox, okay. all, all would be considered reached, or if they just say no, evangelical Protestants are reached and yep. no, no one else is. Like I, you, you get into the weeds a little bit there with people about yeah. what they consider reached and unreached, but but yeah, there are parts of our country that are that are not. So I I think that maybe we have that impression, and that maybe that's part of why we don't pray. And then maybe because we don't pray, we don't actually pursue mission really intentionally. Like we don't have that constant day in, day out sense of like people's eternities are at stake here. And we don't maybe have the compassion that we should have. That's the motive part. So I think that you see how these play into each other, right? Yep. It's like we need to we need to really believe the math so that it fuels our prayers, so that it increases our compassion, so that we actually go proclaim and enact the kingdom. That's so, right. like, I don't know how you, how you want to connect the dots yep. on that, but yep. like, the math fuels the the man. I think, I think they that. all fuel each yeah. other. I yeah. was trying to be like, as I I have like different pictures in my head of the model of these four things. Yeah. Is, it, is it a puzzle piece? Is it a wheel? Is it like they're all kind of informing each other with arrows? Yeah. yeah. It all it all is it does connected for sure. Mandate and, came to mind for me as the one. Yeah. Maybe even just honestly for myself, going like, yeah, I don't know if I'm. If I really enough, just actually just pour out my heart in prayer yeah. for for unreached people groups yeah. to find like I can I'm aware I'm yeah. you know I, they're around me I see people yep. you know I think I probably think more in the in the um, in the motive category more so than yeah. mandate so yeah yeah, yeah. I, I you know where we have done this well as a church and and it's meant to kind of fuel it more than this but it becomes more of kind of a um, a campaign for for a season is we do, when we've done the by name mm-hmm. uh, initiative, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, where we've actually taken the name of a person or two and written it down on a little card that we then like put in our wallet, put in our purse, whatever, and yeah. carry around with us, prompting us hopefully to pray for people that at this point don't know Christ. I think that right. that's the kind of thing that I think can be helpful. Where um, I've kept a lot of those cards actually over the years. I just kind of have them on on a shelf in my my office. Um, but it, I think it'd be, it'd be really good for us to always have a quick answer because we, because we're praying for these people regularly. Like if someone were to ask, you know, if someone were to ask me, if you were to, you know, Steve ask me like, Hey Matt, who are, who are a couple people you're praying for right now that they meet Jesus, you know? And for mm-hmm. me to not have to go like, huh, that's a great question. Sure. Right. Let me think about that a little bit. Like for like me having to think about it a little bit yeah. indicates that I'm not that's really the praying for it. That's the answer. <laughs> that's the it's answer. like, yeah. man, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not praying for people the way I need to be. Yeah. And the prayer, of course, is is effective in and of itself that it, we're asking God to do work that he has to do that we can't do. But it often also goes hand in hand with as we pray for people, as our hearts are moved with more compassion for those people, we end up being the people that, that go to them and try to initiate. That's right. 
we like good questions and conversations and sharing about Christ with them. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, quick side, right. Research here. So unreached. Yeah. Joshua you look Project. it up? Look yep, at you. Yep, Man. yep. So they're, well, I mean, you know, 2022. That's right. At our fingertips. <laughs> what is this amazing <laughs> machine? This is box you're looking at. So, so unreached people. There's group. no cables attached to it. That can't be, can't be possible. <laughs> the definition of unreached is, Less than or equal to five percent Christian. Okay. So that's 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 big box, big, big box. tent Christian. Yep. Okay, and less than or equal to two percent evangelical. So specifically, Christ as Lord and Savior. Both. Both. So it's like both those things: five percent or less Christian. Yep. And within that, two percent or less evangelical. Okay. That would okay. be unreached right. people group. Okay. So let's jump into the. Let's go to the math there. You said this a moment ago. You mentioned this in the sermon yesterday. I mean, you said a few minutes ago, even if different. Yes. So let, let's just press into where any one of us can be cynical or jaded or something else um, with regard to, yeah, that person's unreached, but they know. Yeah. Like, sure, they're unreached, but they're not unreached like, um, you know, find the, the the population living in the deep jungle that like literally has never heard of. They worship the sky god. Right. You know, um, right. you stereotype there, but like, yeah. you know. Yeah. No, our neighbor who's unreached. Or when I was outside of Boston, I was like, wow, I live in an unreached yep. region of the country. Well, I do. And yet there's also universities all throughout New England that are actually antithetical to the Christian faith. Sure. And so there's a there's a harsh there's a harsh attack. Yep. How do we what do we do with that? What do we do when we say even if different? So it's different. It is different. You know, now they're unreached people, let's not get hung up on the definition and try to qualify that. I'm not yeah. trying to do that. Yep. I'm just saying, well, how do we now in our setting, let's go into yeah. Camp Hill, yep. Central PA. Yep. What do we do for, with people? How do we have? How do we consider the math and yeah. allow compassion to override wherever we're cynical or jaded about the math? It's really good. Um, number one, I would say is to not make assumptions. So even though I think in some ways it is fair statistically to say that many people in this region would not be like, if you said the name Jesus, they'd be like, who? Like that, like, like yeah, sure, right. most people that you come in contact with will have some <clears throat> understanding, some context for, for Jesus. If you, if you use that name, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, many people in central Pennsylvania have had some experience, they've darkened the door of a church at some point in their life before. I don't know what the statistics are there. I'd be great actually to figure out, but, mm-hmm. um, but even within that to not make assumptions that what they, even what they have, that they even like have rejected what you would say that what we would say the gospel is. That they, they, to, to, or that they would have the same understanding or frame of reference for what Christians believe, yeah, um, or who or who Jesus is, you know, that they um, they might have a, a completely different idea. And so I think um, not making assumptions would be really important. Um, and then having, um, I mean, and not and not that the first century disciples did this differently, but especially maybe this is a difference between what I would call apostles. Um, and disciples of Jesus. Um, and I know the 12 kind of get lumped into both there, but like people that have people that were apostles and have an apostolic gifting, uh, lowercase a there, they're, they, they're, they're more the, the establishers. Like they go to places and they tend to move relatively quickly. Now, relatively quickly can be a couple of years, even Paul, right. As an apostle spent anywhere between yep. typically, you know, a month and Three years, Three years in sure, a location, yeah. and, yep. and that, and he, but he was establishing something to move on. The <clears throat> followers, other followers of Jesus, have, uh, be, you know, and then of course, you know, pastors and other people like that come in and stay with a longer 
a longer view to, to a certain place. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, there's not as much of a need in, in reached places for the apostolic come and, and like drop in for a quick second and try to build something and then take off to something else. Sure. The one exception to that would maybe be <clears throat> church, church planting, which has an element of apostolic stuff to it. But, um, but it's, but it's typically planted and then pastored by the same person for a period of time. Like yeah. it definitely is a longer view than typically the, you know, three months to, to three years kind of thing. Yep. So what I would say is I'm, I'm saying a lot there to say, have a, don't make assumptions and then have a longer view because it's going to take some time conversationally to draw out what people do understand yeah. and then to, to like, to like press into bring the appropriate kinds of challenges to that. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of Steve, like, Several years ago now, we did a seminar uh, here at Liberty called Conversational Apologetics. And we walked That's through right. even how, because of the common grace of God, we can find commonality with people that have completely different beliefs. Everything from other religions to secular humanism to just like, you know, agnostic, atheistic. You can find common, because of common grace, you can find common ground um, bridges with people mm-hmm. and building off of that, affirming what you can affirm about someone else, even if you're affirming it for a completely different reason and using then that as a way to conversationally start to challenge some of their foundational perspective. There, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a, there's a different approach to that kind of conversational apologetics. That's less, it, it's more patient. It's longer term. It's more conversational as the yep. name would indicate. Yep. Um, and I think that really is a needed and if, and more effective, generally speaking, uh, of course, this requires the Holy Spirit just as much as any other approach. But um, a, a better approach in an increasingly post-Christian or yeah. I would say reached, um, yeah, context. Yeah, yeah, I can think about the. I mean, it, that's been referred to in some other ways. Whether it's like you know the the table talk apologetics. It's like sure, it's one thing to say well the Bible is true, uh-huh. and that's why. You know, it's another thing to like sit around a table for months, years after a time talking about it. Yep. Right. Exchanging yep. perspective, building trust. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, yeah, I think it's really helpful. I think that's, I think that's huge. I think also, um, you know, there's lots of other pastors and ministry leaders that have talked about this too, but, um, I think it is increasingly important to demonstrate the, the enacting, the showing side of the gospel mm. in a way that counteracts, a lot of people's impressions, like most people have rejected Christianity because the bad, the bad impressions that they've yeah. gotten from that. Now they might've, they might just be, they might just hate God. They might just reject completely everything that's about, about Jesus and his message. Yeah. Um, that's there. But a lot of people also are hung up on what they've seen the church do poorly. And not that, not that that is what ultimately, you know, we are as Christians always, um, always having to repent for the ways we fall short of even the standard we, we profess and proclaim. Yeah. But I think it is, it is in post-Christian context, especially important to, to enact, to display, to bless people, to show the grace of God to people um, in the place that we live as an, as an apologetic to say, this is actually good news for the world. Yeah. This is good news yep. for the world. And That's not right. just to not you know, you you can maybe get into case by case specific things of like, well, should you like never lead with words? Like, should you just wait until someone actually sees that there is good in this? And should you only, you know, do you have to, do you have to earn a certain amount of credibility or trust with someone before you yeah. actually share the gospel? I, I just shy away from anything that that's formulaic on that. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. And just say like, 
the prayer that you're doing for God to raise up laborers for the harvest, you're also praying that you would be keeping in step with the spirit and have sensitivity in the moment whenever you're in moments like that to know what's the right words to say here. Yeah. What's the right time to press in? What's the right time to be patient? What's the right time to go maybe with more words and more actions in another moment? I think, I think anything that that gets formulaic and says, follow this path every time. Yep. um, I just, I just, I, I tend to be, hesitant to, yeah. to say anything like that. But ultimately, so at the, at the, <clears throat> we said a moment ago, the central, the central piece there is show that the good news of the gospel is transforming your life. Show that to others. Yeah. I mean, if not, right. Like then why, why would anybody ever be inspired or swayed by something that you don't actually demonstrate to be all that true for you? That's right. If you're not that excited about it, why would someone else be excited about it? That's right. There's a and piece that's, of that that's real. And that's, you know, that's through um, different efforts that we do together as a church, partnering with local organizations, feeding people at New Hope, uh, mentoring people at Bethesda, you know, like there's, there's these, these kinds of, there's also individual pursuits that we do. Some of them are part of like the ordinary quote unquote, ordinary rhythms of our lives. That's where like hospitality is a great practice. Yep. So like if you have an intact family and your and the dynamics and, and culture of your family are like, of course, imperfect, but like relatively healthy, like you actually care about each other as a husband and wife and your kids have some measure of care and concern and respect for each other and for for the parents, like you're increasingly like um, uh, an anomaly in this world. And in a way that people like who have, who so many people have grown up with something, not that, um, that we live among, like that live here that are part of our church even, but that are in this community. Like if you, if you find people and then just invite them into your life, and, and, you know, you gotta, you gotta be balanced and have like time that you just do stuff with your immediate family. Cause that's your, that's your primary realm for discipleship. Like, you, you know, I, I'm trusting people are going to hear this the right way, but having people included in your life and family is an apologetic too. Yeah. It is that hospitality thing is so big. Yeah. Um, and it, it's maybe considered like more ordinary because it's not like me going to serve with this organization for the purposes of mission and sharing the gospel there. Right. But it's incredibly powerful to open up your home and have people come in and see that. That right. that is part of like the living this out, enacting the kingdom, yep. um, and doing it publicly. You know, in in the sense of like it, people can see it. Yeah, all these are are connected. Let's let's maybe close with this thought. I love something you said yesterday in the sermon. Um, I think you said husks and ashes is what mm. people are. Is that what it was? Hus- husks and ashes? Yeah, that say- was. Yep, right, okay. There's a Matthew Henry yes. guy that, com- that wrote a commentary on the whole Bible, like in the late wrote a big one. Pure, was Puritan a big guy. One, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that was his. That was his line. Yeah, so you, you that was in the compassion piece, right? Looking at people and and just changing our perspective, or like maybe making our perspective more accurate to recognize where we would be prone to criticize someone mm-hmm. for what they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and to criticize actually what they are in their lifestyle, their choices, their beliefs, mm-hmm. to instead see that they've been giving nothing but husks and ashes, mm-hmm. and not the right the like the, the bread, the bread, the true bread, um, the the bread of life, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and that I thought I thought that yeah, the, the Henry quote was really good there. And it's a good shift for all of us to see. And man, the truly more and more that we can look around, and it's. I think I I want that bar to be as high as possible for us to recognize. Mm-hmm. It's not just um, the person who we would look at and go, 
They're the deplorable in society. Sure. Oh, look how they've only received husk and ash. It's the person who is also the person, I think, mm-hmm. who's just like doing really well in life, sure. but has a perspective, a belief, a, a lifestyle that you go, that's just so antithetical to the gospel. Mm-hmm. But they're not, they don't think so. Mm-hmm. They think their life is great. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have enough money, have, a, have the right, have a family that's giving them joy and pleasure and mm-hmm. a lifestyle with recreation and a good job, but they're missing the bread of life. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just compassion for the people that we would feel good about having compassion for. That's right. It's also having compassion for anybody who mm-hmm. does not know Christ. That's right. Because they're missing something that we've been given mm-hmm. that we should only be thankful and humbled by. Totally. I mean, give me your... I, that's well you know, said. No, I'm not that's... looking for you to go like, Steve, right on and say nothing. I'm like, what's your thought on that? I just love what you said. Here. I mean, I think it is right on. I think it's... Um, yeah, there, there's always a there's always a time to be a prophetic witness in the world. There's always a time to speak, to call evil, evil. I yes. think that's, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's too. equally Absolutely, yeah. necessary. Right. But I think to, to call evil, evil while remembering that... The vast majority of people are not purposefully saying, I hope to undermine the kingdom of God with the way I'm living my life. And yeah. I'm going to try to completely do everything I like. <clears throat> think those people exist. I don't, I don't think yeah. that's the, I don't think that's the average person we cross paths with. Most people are apathetic or indifferent are, you know, and, and if, and if, if they've rejected Christ, have rejected it out of a deep sense of pain and, and something like that. Yeah. So, um, so I think compassion is a, is the right starting point and to, to recognize, man, yeah, like why, that's why, that's why so much is the way it is in our world when we lament things that are not the way they're meant to be. Like mm-hmm. that's why, that's why we're having to like, um, you know, talk about gender and sexuality stuff all the time with people right now. That's why, that's, mm-hmm. that's why that there's, there's, um, such disharmony between people, of different races and ethnicities right now. That's why like there, there's, there's so much in this, um, that underneath people are just, they've just never been given the bread of life. They've never been, they've never actually feasted on what Jesus has accomplished for them Yeah. in that found a real deep sense of being loved and welcomed a deep identity with roots in Jesus out of which they can then actually live the rest of their lives and interact. And so they're always chasing something and feeling like they're coming up short. They're living out of a place of shame and insecurity. They're living in, and not the Christians don't struggle with these same things. We just have actually, we have the source of the bread of life to come back to. Um, and so, so compassion for people, I think is just a, um, yeah, there, there's, it's too easy to judge and condemn and distance ourselves, um, by what we see on the outside. Yeah. And I think to, to make it your first, to, to make it your first inclination to say, that's a person apart from Jesus. What hope do they have if they've only ever, if they've only ever had husks and ashes? Yeah. And is there a way to pray for them and move toward them in a way that. Yeah. And there, and there's, and like, you know, we've, you've, you've mentioned throughout there. So like for sure, there's also the people that they're opposed to the Christian message mm-hmm. with great fury. I mean, they sure. are. Yep. You know, there's there's a place for the imprecatory psalms in scripture. Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, you know, it's like, but it's not like there's a continuum where you have, um, you have the imprecatory perspective and you have compassion, and one is like, like there's only like a certain percent. You can only have a. It's like compassion's the foundation. Sure. It's always there. Yeah. And so if if someone who is opposed to Christ, even in great intention. If that yeah. person, Paul, right? Mm-hmm. If that person comes to know Christ, yeah. 
we should always be excited for that totally. and not think of it as, you know, like our satisfaction shouldn't be in the win right. for ourselves and our perspective. It should be in another person coming to know Christ in the same way that we've come to know Christ. That's exactly right. Like humility in that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and hopefully that, that didn't, didn't sound like this in the, in the sermon yesterday, but for sure, uh, compassion or empathy doesn't also mean that we automatically just agree with everyone or give people what they want. That's right. Out of a sense of compassion. Correct. So That's right. So it's similar to, you know, grace and truth, you yep. know, that, that, that we're, we are, we are people of compassion, but we are people of compassion who also are people of, of truth. Yep. Um, and Jesus did proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, which did have an offense to it and everyone, you know, so like there, there, there's that in this as well, right. That our compassion is anchored to, and our empathy is anchored to truth. Um, because because empathy or compassion without that, we mistakenly define compassion as just like, hey, you're you're hurting right now, so I'm just going to kind of give you what you want in that moment. Right. I'm going I'm to and like that's just that's not what compassion actually it's is. Not, yeah, very very true. That's good. Well, thanks, Matt, for for preaching that yesterday. Good sermon. We have one more left in the rhythms of grace. We do. Um, but we're going to take a break. From we the will take a break from B-Side. So next week, no B-Side. Yep. We come back on the 12th with yeah. B-Side after the sermon on September 11, which starts our new fall series. Yeah. Um, and so an invitation, right, as we get kind of even back into the formal Bible study season. Um, as you have questions, send them in. Right? We love to get questions um, uh, on the sermon, your thoughts, you know, how you want to apply this to your life. It always is some good set up for Bible studies as well to kind of steer some of that conversation. So send those in. Uh, Matt, any final words before we end for today? No, I uh, really have enjoyed the Rhythms of Grace series. So I uh, hope it's been helpful to you. Uh, we will, and we've been doing this too. Um, we have a whole page on our website um, called Rhythms of Grace. Uh, so you can find all the, like, we're going to put one of the sermons that we've done in the different series over the years uh, up there for each of the rhythms. And also what we'll do after next week is we'll send out to um, to all of our regular attenders and covenant members just a list of intentional questions you can ask each other based on the rhythms of grace. They'll actually be in, I think, I'm pretty sure, uh, the back of these Bible study guides. They're going out, so those will be there too, um, just so you've got them to use them with each other in your relationships and your, uh, your, your Bible study groups in particular. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks everyone for listening today. We will see you some point this week or later on this week on Sunday for worship. Enjoy the week. We'll see you then. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.